0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now,
1: celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer.
2: Welcome back to Hour Number Two. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom. And we have uh Will Dijkstra filling in for Nate Zelensky. Um, I got a text from Nate this morning that said he wasn't going to be able to make it in. I think Will, he might have been worried that I was going to ask him a question about uh planer board fishing for grayling. Good morning, <laughs> Will.
3: Good morning, Brad. How are
2: you? I'm doing good. And uh w- I know Nate was going to talk about uh, open water fishing coming up and I had a little extra time on my drive down and went around and took a look at Chatfield and boy, uh, right here in the metro area, we're losing ice quick and open water fishing is upon us.
3: It is, you know, and it's been kind of one of those uh, winters that, you know, you can't really wrap your head around as a sportsman in Colorado or or a fisherman, especially an ice fisherman on the front range. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, Brad, for, for, Guys like us that love switching gears from season to season, uh, you know, now that we're kind of through our ice season, we're really excited about the fact that we've had some warm weather to uh, get these lakes as ice-free as possible uh, leading up to the the open dates.
2: Yeah, and actually we we had uh, Larry Rogstad on, and I know this is kind of out of the area you guys fish in, but uh, starting Monday there's a few lakes up north, uh, Douglas, Lawn Hagler, and Lone Tree that you're going to be able to launch a boat at. So. Um, the it, open water season is here.
3: It is. And that's, you know, for, for someone like me that, that, that fishes for a living, you know, this is, uh, we always talk about this, you know, whatever time of year is our favorite time of year to fish, obviously, because it's what we're doing right now. But uh, there's no doubt that the springtime offers uh, some phenomenal opportunities, whether it's in the front range or up in the high country, uh, for catching some of the biggest fish of the year.
2: Oh, that is that is absolutely true. There are some giant fish that are going to be caught and actually that are that are being caught right now. I know there was a, saw some posts of a walleye over 13 pounds caught at one of our metro area lakes from uh, the shore just this week.
3: Absolutely. You know, this time of year, you know, we're with these unseasonable temperatures that we've had in the lakes becoming ice free, you know, a lot of things have kind of slid up from what they typically would be with the spawn. And, you know, you're getting fish that are, chowing hard right now that are pre-spawn walleyes here on the front range and it's a great time of year to catch you know we talk about it uh, you know for me specifically with the pike you know last year having an opportunity to fish pre-spawn pike which we don't get that often um, especially in our high country lakes and right now we're, we got that same opportunity uh, on the front range right now to chase uh, pre-spawn walleyes that are you know like you said a 13 pounder some of the biggest fish of the entire year are going to get caught within the next you know three to five weeks
2: uh, that's very true, and I hear that you guys have some open water events coming up that you're wanting to make some announcements on.
3: You know what? So we we don't have specific dates yet. We're kind of waiting for partners to, to wrap up our partnership with a lot of our sponsors for these. But uh, just kind of in, uh, just to give everybody kind of a uh, prelude to what's going to be going on this year. You know, we get a lot of questions about our open water tournament series and our and our leagues that we do. And, uh, you know, so I'll just kind of run you through them real quick, and then we'll talk more about the bites that are going to be happening. But uh, uh, so for our walleye series, you know, we host the Walleye Insanity Tournament Series. Brad, you've uh, you've fished in, in several of them. In fact, you, I, I believe you've won one of them.
2: Uh, yep. You, we, know, uh, so you get
3: a chance to, to see what these events are about. Yeah, yeah, we're Cassie lucky enough to,
2: to win the Boyd event, and uh, they put on some really good walleye tournaments. The Walleye Insanity is a fun one-day event.
3: Absolutely, you know, and that's the thing that we're trying to cater to is the anglers that don't have a full weekend to fish and you know we're kinda catering to somebody that still wants to get into that competitive angling but doesn't necessarily have time to put aside for a two day event and pre fishing for a two day event even. But um we're gonna have two uh walleye insanity events, one day and one night. And and our day event is gonna be at Cherry Creek Reservoir and our night event is gonna be at Chatfield Reservoir. And for those of you that have not uh, fish the Walleye Insanity night event. It is definitely a whole different animal. Um, you know, different style of tournament. It's just a lot of fun. It kind of tests you as an angler. You know, you end up with some weather conditions at night and it really pushes you as an angler, uh, further to be, to be a better angler, whether it's boat control and all of that. But, uh, you know, to put yourself up against a lot of these fishermen here in Colorado and New Mexico and Wyoming that fish these events, it's a lot of fun to compete. So, um, that's going to be our Walleye Insanity tournament series for the year, and then we also run our Bass Obsession tournament series. We're going to be doing two events uh, through our Bass Obsession series. One's going to be a Chatfield Reservoir. That's going to be our first uh, our first year running a bass tournament at Chatfield Reservoir, which is fun because you got the the uh, a smallmouth but a smallmouth bass and a largemouth bass uh, you know fishery right there. That really is a game changer when you're talking about the two different styles of fish. So that's going to be a fun one, and then of course. Uh, one of our best bass fisheries in the state, uh, Pueblo Reservoir. Um, that will be our other event uh, with Bass Obsession. And uh, the last two open water events that we're going to talk about are, is our carp series, and that will kind of be July, August. That's going to be something that we'll definitely release later in the year, but just something to think about as, as anglers. And that's that's a fun one because it's a shore uh, tournament, and it's kind of fun to see the different styles that people use to target carp. Um, as far as that goes. And then the other last thing I want to talk about as far as events that we're going to be running through tight line outdoors is the last two years we've run our, what we call our walleye league. And we're uh, kind of morphing this thing into something that's going to be really family friendly, but also extremely competitive. We're going to start using a point system and we're going to start awarding, you know, co-anglers, you know, best teams of the year, best angler of the year, family teams, and that kind of stuff, just to encourage people, A, to get out on the water with with uh, friends and family, but B, also, you know, for those of you that are kind of nervous about fishing that tournament style of, of atmosphere, this is a great way to just get your feet in the water. And, uh, you know, kind of you don't get overwhelmed with the idea of having a big, giant tournament production uh, where you feel like you have to produce. I mean, it's something where it's it's going to be one night a week uh, and definitely a way to get your feet into that competitive uh, fishing atmosphere
2: yeah now what what bodies of water are you gonna be holding the the walleye league events on
3: um so that that should be chatfield and cherry creek those are the two fisheries that we used that we did last year and that's you know we're kind of keeping in the front range area uh, traveling around to up north and traveling around down south you know kind of weeds out some of the anglers here in the in the uh, in the metro area but we certainly want to cater to everybody as much as we possibly can so those well, Chatfield and Cherry Creek tend kind to of be in the central location for the walleye fishing, especially in the metro area.
2: Yeah, and I tell you what, uh, a walleye league event, I haven't fished any of these events, but I, I'm familiar with this type of event uh, back in the Midwest. It is a great way to go learn a fishery if you're not familiar with it, maybe learn new locations, new presentation styles that you haven't tried on these bodies of water. So that, that's a great event, like you say, to get your feet wet.
3: Absolutely. And that's, you know, we have some guys that are a little bit overwhelmed or intimidated by that tournament atmosphere, but really want to get into some style of competitive angling. And this is a great way to do it. And, you know, it's funny, a lot of the guys that have fished in our walleye leagues are starting to enter into our tournaments and actually fare pretty well. So it's, it's been kind of a fun animal to kind of see develop. So,
2: well, that is great. And now, what uh, updates do you have on any of the fishing conditions around? I mean, I know yesterday I went out for about uh, a half hour on Boyd Lake. I found one patch of open water about uh, 50 feet wide and about uh, 200 feet long, and I just had to get out and make a few casts. What are you seeing down in your neck of the woods?
3: You know, so here on the front range, like you said, you drove around a little bit before you you ended up in the studio this morning. You got a chance to see that Chatfield is you know, I'd say for the most part, uh, I'd say it's right sitting right around that seventy-five to eighty percent ice free. That whole inlet end is uh, pretty much all that has ice now. So, you know, we're looking at we forward to that fishery, uh, you know, from the boating standpoint. But for those of us that love to cast for walleyes, especially from the bank, uh, this time of year at any of these, you know, metro lakes or front range lakes this is a great opportunity to get out there with a jerkbait or get out there with a soft plastic, you know, a paddle tail, swim bait style of presentation, um, and catch some of these big fish. And, you know, so it's a pre-spawn bite for these walleyes right now, and it's something that, uh, you know, like we said, you can catch the biggest fish of the year, but I'd focus on your speed. You know, you're a this time of year. Everybody's excited to get out there and, and cast for walleyes, and the first thing you do, at least for a jerkbait fisherman, you have this tendency to fish too fast. You know, so I want to tell everybody, you know, whether it's from the bank or whether it's from the boat, whether you're casting or trolling, you really need to pay attention to your speeds because that right there is going to weed out a bunch of your bites or your potential catches if you're fishing too fast. Because these fish, while they are putting the food bag on and they are, you know, uh, getting really aggressive leading up to the spawn, you know, the water is still cold. These are cold-blooded creatures, and and they're not necessarily going to be. Chasing baits down from distances or working very hard to eat, but it's a matter of making sure you have your baits on the strike zone and working that bait at a proper speed. That's basically spoon feeding these fish. I mean, we're these fish are there; they want to eat. It's just you got to give it to them the right way. So, um, as far as that goes, you know, we're looking forward to more than anything our our bites on the front range this year uh, with open water coming up here. We're gonna have an opportunity of catching some of these big walleyes from the boat right away. You know, so Chatfield. Uh, as long as the lake is 100% ice free on March 1st, um, there's some construction going on at Chatfield Reservoir right now. So the south boat ramp is going to be open March 1st.
2: Yeah, I was um, just going to ask you about that. It looked like the north boat ramp. Uh, they're still trying to raise it for raising the lake level, and that uh, it probably wouldn't be open right away. It's it's
3: it's not. It's it, w- it won't be open right away at March 1st. The north ramp, uh, from what I understand, from what we've been told, is it's going to open up. Uh, April first is when the the north ranch is going to open up, so uh, everybody's going to want to be using that south boat launch at Chatfield once that lake opens. And like we said, with the, with the way ice we're losing ice here on the Front Range as quick as we are, I can't see us not having, or I can't see us uh, have ice by by March first. So we're looking forward to to the lakes here on the Front Range opening to boats, so we can get out there and target some of these, uh, you know, trophy walleyes. Like I said, great time of year to catch. The biggest fish of the year for sure.
2: Yeah, it is. One other thing, if people are looking to go out to Chatfield, I know earlier in the year uh, they had from the Wadsworth uh, egg entrance, they had closed the road going south. I don't know if that is reopened yet or not. So with all this construction, you may want to check the Parks and Wildlife website to figure out which entrance is going to be the best to get to that, uh, that boat ramp there.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and, you know, it's kind of it's been interesting. The those roads have been open and closed intermittently. It hasn't been a like a full time closure in some of those areas. So, yeah, Brad, you're exactly right. If uh, if you can't find, it, they should have information on the websites about it. But you know, at the very least, you can always call the state park office, and they'll definitely kind of point you in the right direction to uh, get you over to the right ramp so you can get on the lake and and chase these fish. All uh, right. You know, and for me. Brad, and you being a Midwest guy and, and you know our background panel kind of with some muskies zinc stuff that we used to do um, I'm very excited that we have another opportunity this year I imagine we're gonna have a great chance at targeting Pike again in South Park um, you know hopefully again April 1st like we did last year we don't have any exact dates yet but considering there's the least amount of ice we've ever had on our South Park lakes in February I anticipate another opportunity of targeting post spawn pike. We might get to fish for them for two weeks uh, pre spawn, excuse me, pre spawn before uh, those fish get into the full fledged spawn mode. So another opportunity to catch, you know, some huge fish again, like like we did last year.
2: Well, that would be great. Now, Will, if someone wants to get information uh, from you or the guys at Tightline Outdoors, how do they get in touch with you?
3: You know, so we're, we have a very active social media um, kind of uh, following, so we do a lot of things on Facebook. So our, our Facebook page is just Tightland Outdoors. And then we have information about all of our guides and kind of what everybody's doing, seasons and whatnot, on our, our on our website, which is tightlineoutdoors.com And we also have a YouTube channel that's Tightland Outdoors. Uh, you can check out and you can see a lot of tips and tricks that we're uh, um, using to be successful, uh, you know, every week of the year is, you know, and Brad, as you you well know, as an angler, these bites, especially in a place like Colorado, very different than the Midwest in the fact that we're dealing with fluctuating water levels. And, uh, you know, we're trying to cover as much of that information as possible because, well, we have a lot of people that moved here from the Midwest. They're still, you know, trying to figure these fisheries out. So our YouTube channel is a great way to learn. Uh, some of these techniques that might be a little bit different than what you're typically used to, whether it's targeting walleyes, pikes, smallmouth, whatever it might be. So um, those are kind of our best ways to kind of see what Tightline Outdoors is doing and, and what our guides have to offer and kind of the seasons and, and lakes that we're going to be fishing on.
2: All right. Thanks a lot, Will. That was some great information, and we're going to head off to a break here. And when we return, we're going to have someone talking about uh, a new product out there called BioBait, a locally made
1: product. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire. Welcome back to
2: Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry this weekend. And we have a real special guest coming up now. Um, Well, I was at the ISE show uh, last month. I saw this company who has a it's a new plastic company and they are based in Colorado And they seem to be a really hot topic on the internet right now. And I wanted to get Eric from BioBait on here to talk a little bit more about their product. Good morning, Eric.
4: Hey, how's it going?
2: Good. So while I was at ISC, you know, I saw your booth. It was always packed. People looking at all your product. We got a chance to talk a little bit. Um, And actually, even after the event, I came down to your uh, facility right down there in Littleton. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your company? What separates you uh, from a lot of the other companies that are out there right now?
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I guess it, there's, a, there's a lot different. So um, I guess I would start at our formula. So when, everybody, when you're shopping for soft plastics, um, your options are uh, almost like a gulp, and then your regular plastics all formed into different shapes and, and different molds and colors um we took it a step further and said you know we want a different formula that's that's that doesn't give um that you don't have to sacrifice all of that uh, your durability and your performance uh, of your plastic uh to get that water soluble that biodegradable type of deal that a couple of those uh, other brands have on the market and uh we came up with a formula that uh, basically we used our fish oil with a, a natural-based formula. So it, it's actually stronger, uh, it's more pliable, uh, and, it, and it has a better scent release, and our stuff never dries out opposed to some of our competition out there, the scent that is.
2: Well, and that that's a nice thing because we know in the summer here in Colorado, uh, some of the other plastics that have a tendency to dry out, you know, can can get a little tough just in the matter of uh, hooking them up on your rod, making a few casts with another, uh, you know, another setup, and then, you know, making a little bit of a run. So, I mean, the stuff you have is real interesting, and you have quite a wide variety of shapes and uh, okay. sizes as well. Why don't you tell some people about um, what type different shapes you have? Sure,
4: sure. So, uh, right now we have everything from uh, our curly tail grubs and a 2.75, um, which have been really good, uh, good right now on those pre-spawn walleye. But my favorite right now is our swim baits. Uh, we got a 375 uh, swim bait that's we designed to have a tight wobble and action to it. So kind of like how Will was saying just a second ago, you want that low, slow roll uh for those pre-spawn walleye and this one's made to kick like a mule at a low speed so it triggers a lot of strikes. We also have uh uh three point five inch tube jigs, we have two point seven five inch tube jigs, we've got a uh, six inch lizards, five inch lizards, um, we've got five inch flukes, um, we've got a um uh six and a half inch trick worm, we've got a seven and a half inch uh, ribbon tail worm. Um, we've got our own creature bait called the Flippin' Chicken, which is any bass guys out there. Uh, that's going to be a huge one uh, this summer. We've got a lot of tournament guys down south throwing it.
2: Yeah, I, I could, I've seen that, and that's a that's a great looking one. And I really like your your lineup because you don't just target the bass market. You've got stuff that covers bass and walleye and you know your twisters could definitely catch crappie and trout and i know seeing online you know a ton of guys are catching a lot of really good sized trout on your tube jigs right now and you've got a, a real good selection of color as well it's it's great to see a company based here in colorado doing that now if people start getting interested you know from this or from what they've heard where can they find some of your bait now
4: Great question. So um, we're we're about six months into into this industry right now just uh, making bait. So we've since uh, gotten almost every single mom-and-pop shop um, in the metro area from the Springs to um, we're about to uh, uh, roll out in a couple big box stores up north, uh, hoping that we can uh, do the same here in Denver. But right now you can go uh, Valley Country uh, over by Cherry Creek Reservoir uh, discount Tackle, which is just, uh, I mean, if you're lucky enough to find it on the shelves there, it's a, every couple of days that stuff flies off the shelf. So um, the Denver Metro, those are the two places um, that are on the top of my head right now that, that have, uh, have just had great success with us.
2: So you're saying if they find it and find a color that they like, they don't need to buy just one package. You better buy a couple because next time they may not yeah. be on the shelf.
4: It's, it's, it's been about, it's a blessing for us, but it, it, it has definitely been, uh, um, crazy, uh, production wise, cause it, it uh, literally when we deliver biobait, the average time it stays on the shelves is, uh, 48 hours. So it is, uh, once you fish one bag, you're going to start kicking yourself and you're going to go, man, I need to get it again. But if those places are all sold out, you can go to www.biobait.com. Uh, and we, we have, we sell them online as well. So, it's um, it's been quite the journey, I guess, but the, the performance of these lures compared uh, to what your standard is, you're catching more fish per lure. Uh, the scent has just been really turning those fish on combined with just how much time we take tweaking these colors. Um, it, it's been it's been lights out for fishermen here.
2: Well, that is fantastic. I appreciate you coming on, Eric, and uh, hopefully yes. people will start seeing more of your product out there and have some good success on it this spring.
4: Absolutely. We we look forward to it. Anybody that starts crushing fish on BioBait, send us pictures. We want to post them up there.
2: All right. Thanks again. That All was right, thank er- you. that was Eric with Biobait. And we will be returning in
1: just a minute. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Honey Smoke Salmon. It is delicious. The secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Sun Enterprises, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle
2: vehicle. I'm Brad Peterson, filling in for Terry Wickstrom this weekend, and we are privileged enough to have a good friend of mine as a guest, uh, Troy Lindner. Good morning, Troy.
0: Good morning, Brad. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
0: Doing well, thank you.
2: Troy, uh... Troy and I have been working together on uh, trying to get Camp Fish rebooted, and last year we ran an adult child session. I think some people on the radio had heard about it and uh, also worked on a fishing career workshop last October, and I got Troy on here so that we could talk a little bit more about what's coming up this year for Camp Fish and the uh, Fishing Career Workshop.
0: Yeah, we are expanding you know, on the success of uh, what we did last summer. And actually bringing back the the old level one and level two sessions as well as the adult child session and an advanced bath session and the careers workshop next fall. <laughs> but, you know, f- first off talking about, you know, the, the summer sessions, the, you know, I, th- I think the first and foremost, the adult child session, which was a big hit last year. We're bringing that back again this
2: July. Yeah, we, we, uh. The one thing, if someone is interested in the adult child, we are getting close to being filled up in that session, which is really exciting news. Um, that's a a five day, four night session with a parent and child uh, spending time learning how to fish together out on the water up in the Walker, Minnesota area.
0: Yes, yes, um, yeah. We we are uh, we only have a few spots left. This is happening July eleventh. Through the fifteenth, um, you can find out a little bit more information on that at mycampfish.com. And this is uh, this is a, a you know the the other sessions, you know they're they're all based on fishing, but this is a really a, a really special one. And hearing you know the response back from the people that went last year, it's quite uh, it's quite humbling and heartwarming to say the least.
2: Yes, it is. Now you mentioned the new one the advanced bass session. This one's pretty exciting, and it's it's a new twist on something that was never done before, but it's kind of playing in with all the high school bass fishing clubs and tournaments and all that's going on. What can you tell us more about that?
0: Yes, the rise, as you said, the, the rise of, uh, of uh, the high school bass fishing has been just incredible. And my first thought is, well, you know, when was that happening? When I was in high school? <laughs>
2: yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
0: And the Brainerd the Brainer team back in in Minnesota. I don't know how many members. Them, goodness, over hundred and around one hundred and fifty kids. I think. I, I think the they're
2: pushing one hundred
0: and eighty now. Oh my gosh, that's that's incredible, and and this session, this is happening June twenty fourth through the twenty eighth. It is specific to bass and and largemouth, smallmouth, and a little bit unspotted spotted bass kentucky's as well but mainly largemouth spotted or uh, largemouth and uh, smallmouth bass and it's understanding the difference between these fish i mean we're going to go over everything from balancing the rod reel line the the pitching flipping skipping techniques advanced electronics which have changed a lot in our in our lifetime i mean it's amazing each year what what what's happening with the with the big brand with the touchscreen, screen the mapping the imaging we're going to go over that organizing the bow tackle equipment and then you know some of the very specific things that you can do in a tournament day that can maximize your fish catch and maximize success
2: well and we had jacob wheeler talk earlier in the show about mm-hmm. that you know making decisions on tournament days and what this is really geared towards is those kids who are either looking at or maybe in the high school fishing program trying to make them step up one little extra level and maybe be someone who can be competitive on the national high school scene, maybe even get a college scholarship. There, You know, Troy, what would we have done had there been college scholarships available for fishing?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a, that is uh... – I, I would have laughed at that years ago when they said, "Oh, schools are going to be offering scholarships for fishing," and said, "That's funny." Yeah, but that,
2: they, that it's is. Happening. Um, the level one and level two are both youth sessions. Um, there's more information on the website there at mycampfish.com. But last fall in October, we did a program, a lot brought inspired by your dad Al, of a fishing <laughs> career workshop, and it was such a success. It is going to be, uh, a second one's going to be run again this year in October on the 27th. Uh, mm-hmm. What type of information can you give us about that?
0: Yeah, we're going to release the full list of speakers here very soon. And if you lo- looked at last year online, you can see the, the people that we had on there. Seth, Seth was on there, Seth Fighter, uh Tom Neustrom. I mean, it was Joe Nelson. And it was a uh, it was an all star lineup and uh, and I can't announce it yet, but it is exciting to we have i think about eight of the ten around eight people you know kind of locked in for this, and that's happening october twenty seventh at men's resort in
2: Brainerd yeah and, and I, I do know we had a participant come out from Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. up there in the Greeley area, and he said it was worth every penny that he spent to get out there, and he decided to come last minute. It's It really shows a bunch of diversity of ways you can make a living in the fishing industry. Um, one last thing, we just have a short amount of time, Troy. With the excitement in the bass team stuff, I know you've been working with some of the guys back in Minnesota who have been putting these teams together to create a video series to help coaches and parents who want to start a fishing team. Is there any spot that people can look at these videos? You know, I know they aren't quite up yet, but uh, give us just uh, 30 seconds on that.
0: Yes, if you go to Facebook, you go to Camp Fish on Facebook, and the link is also, if you go to mycampfish.com, you can link to it from there, and we'll be releasing uh, some videos putting it later on youtube but releasing videos on how exactly how do you start a high school fishing team what are the what are the steps what what are what's the easiest way to make that happen we don't have to really ask the why because if your heart is in it for the outdoors and fishing that's already there this is the how how do you make that happen make it happen fast and be successful with it
2: all right troy well i want to thank you again for coming on and uh we will have more information on all the different campfish activities going on either at uh, the campfish Facebook page or mycampfish.com. Thanks a lot, Troy. Thank you. Thank you, Brad. All right. Now we have Kevin Mason with Honey Smoke Salmon talking
1: with Terry Wickstrom. The gentleman joining us now has a company right here in Colorado that he started several years ago and has just taken off. And it's a product you hear me talk about all the time. I was fortunate enough to go to their facility in Aurora. Kevin got uh, uh, Karen got to meet uh, Kevin's family and tour the facility. And joining us is Kevin Mason from Honey Smoked Fish Company. Good morning, Kevin. Well, good morning, Terry. You know, before we even get into the product, you have to be so proud of those two sons of yours. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, quality young man. And really learning the business. And to have a family business right here in Colorado. One that we've been able to represent for many, many years. And also the quality of the product. Um, the two things when we left there that Karen was super impressed with. First well, three actually. One was your hospitality, which you've always extended us. And she had never got to tour the facility for. But number one was your two boys and what quality young men they are. But the real thing that impressed us is when you make Honey Smoked Fish Company smoke salmon You take absolutely no shortcuts that could affect both the quality or the safety of the product. And that's why it's consistently so good. If you buy the best, you make the best. And it just really is. And we were so excited to be able to spend time with you and um, go through that process. And, you know, a lot of people hear honey smoked, and we'll touch on this, but they they think that you put honey on the fish, but that's not the case, is it?
3: No, the honey's actually in the smoke, in the fire. And when it hits the fire, the honey causes a combustion explosion, and it seals the salmon, locking those omega-3s.
1: Now, I know it's available at most supermarkets, but I understand you're adding another outlet that's going to be carrying it, or you have.
3: Yes, Walmart in the Rocky Mountain region, and Sam's, Costco, King Super, Safeway, Sprout and all your local
1: restaurants. Well, all I'm going to tell people is there's some in my refrigerator all the time. Buy one package, go to any of those outlets and just buy one package and try it. I say buy two
3: packages because you always never know when someone's going to show up, a guest or something. But well, okay. Buy but one. one
1: package. Once you try it, you're going to go <laughs> back and get more, right? It just yeah. it's just it's you just on up. it's on it's a product that's all you have to do is get people to try it and they're going to love it. Yes. Kevin, we got to go, but thank you again for your hospitality. It was great going through the facility again. Karen really loved it, and we're just honored to uh, represent such a quality organization.
2: And I
3: think she's the better half of you, so.
1: Well, you don't it. get any argument about that from me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: thanks. I just scored points from your wife, Karen. <laughs> All
1: right, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Thank you. All right, Honey Smoke <laughs> <laughs> Fish Company. Terry Oaksham Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company. Smoked Salmon, the secret is in the fire. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented in part by Honey Smoked Fish Smoked Salmon. The secret is in the fire.
2: Welcome back. I'm Brad Peterson filling in for Terry Wickstrom. And you've been hearing ads about the Pheasants Forever Banquet coming up in the South Metro area. And Pheasants Forever is a great conservation group, but another one that is out there is the Mule Deer Foundation. Last weekend, I was out at the Western Hunting Expo, which is put on in part by the Mule Deer Foundation, and I ran into a fellow that uh, some of you may have seen on TV with Tread Barda or hosting Remington Country, who is from Grand Junction and a board member of the Mule Deer Foundation Dan Harrison and I invited Dan on to talk a little bit about the event and uh, the money it raised in the Mueller Foundation. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Brad. How are you? I'm doing great. So, the Western Hunting Expo is a giant fundraising event. It's it's a sports show, but along with it, you guys do a tremendous job with auctions and fundraisings. Uh, why don't you? It was. Yeah,
5: Yeah. it was an
2: amazing four days. And I don't know if you saw the news release that
5: Miles, our CEO, president, um, put out on the Outdoor Wire on Thursday, I believe. Did you get a chance to read I did not see that. Okay, four days, a four-day event. This is how big that this event is growing into. Four-day event, over $7 million raised, and over 50,000 attendees going through the gates.
2: Well, that is fantastic. That's that's seven million dollars raised for conservation that stays predominantly in the western part of the United States.
5: Yes, sir. It's in mule deer habitat, and the tags that are licensed are auctioned off. That money goes directly to the ground. Yeah, that he, is just the most awesome thing.
2: Yeah, you were telling me about that. A lot of states offer governors' tags, which is a tag that someone can purchase and used during any season to pursue in whatever method of take is legal during that season to pursue whether it's a bighorn sheep or a mule deer or elk or whatever it is. And these are provided to this auction that takes place, and when they're purchased, all that money goes to and stays in the state that it's donated. I mean, I mean, it's phenomenal. Some of these tags were going for in excess of two hundred thousand dollars.
5: Yeah, I think the high was two ninety for the Antelope Island mule deer, and that that money stays in Utah. That's two hundred ninety thousand dollars going towards mule deer conservation and in trying to sustain their their habitat and population. It's just it, it's an incredible event to watch.
2: Yeah, and, and Colorado donated some tags as well, so there was money raised for Colorado wildlife conservation. Um, just just great to hear. Tell us a little bit more about the Mule Deer Foundation and, you know, what got you involved with it?
5: You know, and then as I went through the TV um, experiences and, and get, gathered a little bit more exposure, um, I didn't go... I I wanted to do something to help the habitat. I am a habitat guy. That's what I do on the in the off season as I manage private lands for for habitat improvements and and that's what I wanted to center my my say career in is something to you know to help and enhance the habitat, especially for an icon like the mule deer because mule deer are so dear to me. Um, you know I'm an outfitter. Uh, I make a living on you know. Managing mule deer populations, we can say. And right. I'm trying to trying to help that part
0: out.
2: Yeah, no, and it is a great group. Um, I don't know, Dan, if you were able to find out, are there any upcoming banquets for the Mule Deer Foundation here locally? Um, you'll have to go to mule deer, uh,
5: muledeerfoundation.org. Uh, all all events in every state are listed under the, under the events near you. Um, there, there is some upcoming, especially in Woodland Park. There's, I know Rose Long. She's, uh, the very big supporter of Mule Deer Foundation and Colorado Bow Hunters Association. Her chapter's coming up, uh, in March, I believe the 24th, I think it is. But, uh, that is a great one to go to because Rose is so, Rose and her family, Carol, her mom, is so, uh, supportive of the Mule Deer Foundation and the hunters and conservationists in Colorado.
2: Well, that's great. Yeah. You know, check out online for local events coming up in your area. And Dan, I know one other passion that you really have and that we share is getting kids into the outdoors.
5: You know, it is imperative. Um, we are losing the, the the hunters and the hunters are the conservationists. Our, you know, we keep saying it time and time and time again, that the hunters are the true conservationists because our our licensed dollars directly go to in enforcing in and enhancing the, the animals, populations, and habitat. There's, you know, I'll, I'm going to get myself in trouble if I keep going. There's a lot of antis that keep pushing to, to you know, to tear apart of our outdoor heritage and our outdoor foundation that, you know, it, it is... It is us, the hunters, the fishermen, and the outdoor recreationists that are the true supporters and true conservationists.
2: Yeah, we are. And anymore, you know, our society has changed quite a bit. And where you and I might have been introduced to the outdoors from a parent or a close family member, people sometimes don't have someone like that to be a mentor, to teach someone in the outdoors. And I think it's really important that us as sportsmen and sportswomen, um, you know, take the time to introduce and help people out to learn the basics, to get them into the outdoors, whatever that is, whether it be, you know, fishing um, or small game hunting or, or all the way up to mule deer hunting. And I know that you have done quite a bit of that throughout your career. You know, I, I'm
5: going to start an initiative. Uh, it's going to be coming up shortly. It's called Reloading Our Heritage because our heritage needs to be reloaded. Um, you know, our, our values, and I'm saying the baby boomers values we had, we were introduced by a mentor, whether it be a father, uh, my, I was taught to fish, uh, fly fish by my grandmother. Um, but somebody brought us into the outdoors and it's our turn. We have, we owe it to our heritage to give it back to our next generation.
2: Yeah, that's going to be key because as you say, most of the funding for wildlife management and, uh, you know, conservation and all of that comes through the sportsmen and the dollars that are contributed, whether it's through license sale, excise tax um, and all of that is crucial. And if we don't, bring up that next generation that funding source is going to disappear and when that funding source disappears you know the management may suffer on the wildlife and and that's not anything that any one of us wants to see happen
5: Well, uh, you know uh, secretary zinke announced uh, at the mule deer foundation banquet that he wrote a check one of the first checks he wrote was from the Pittman-Robertson Fund, which is excise taxes that goes to anything involved through sales in in the outdoors, whether it's a a, a fish hook, a a weight, a lure, a shotgun, a shotgun shell, a rifle, anything. You get an excise tax on that. That's called the Pittman-Robertson Fund. And he wrote a check out for $1.8 billion that goes back to the states for wildlife.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tremendous thing that I think a lot of people don't realize that even beyond your license sales, a lot of the management dollars come when you go out and purchase some products. Whether it's, you know, we had guys on from BioBait earlier, whether it's some of that, uh Rappler Fishing Lures, Remington Guns, uh, Federal Ammunition... Uh, whatever it is, all of that stuff, Primos, you know, we had someone on from Primos when you're purchasing stuff from all those companies, there is a little piece of that money that is going back to conservation in your state and in your area. So it, uh, you should feel good about that when you're out there doing it. And we are one of the few groups of sportsmen who actually voted in a self-imposed tax to help with the management.
5: Right. Right. You know, it, it, when you take a look at uh, the demographics of the hunter-fisher, fishermen, outdoor recreationists, uh, we're all in one family. There, there should not be a political line that divides us. And if we stand up for the family's rights to our outdoor recreation and public land use, you know, there's there is nothing that can take that away from us because we are the majority of the voice.
2: No, I completely agree, Dan. And we're coming up towards the end of the show. I want to thank you so much for taking your time to come out here. Uh, talk to us about the Mule Deer Foundation, about the Western Honey Expo. It'll happen again next year. I think it's February 14th through the 18th. It's out in Salt Lake City. If you haven't been out there for it, it's a good thing to go to. And also, you know, sharing some of the information about getting kids involved in the outdoors.
5: Yes, sir. It is 14th through the 18th, and it's a show to. It's a show you have to see.
2: It definitely is. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thanks, Brad. All right. Well, I am Brad Peterson. I want to thank Terry Wickstrom for letting me host the show while he is out on assignment. You can reach me at on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or on Instagram at Brad P Outdoors. So I hope everyone has a good week, enjoys the nice weekend. And Terry will be back next weekend
1: rising up to